name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the blessed month of Abib. And during this month we remember the Apostles because we start off this month on the 5th. We start off with the Feast of the Apostles with um, Peter and Paul, their martyrdom. Um, and so we are remembering things that the Apostles were doing. And here we have the Apostles that they had been sent out in that chapter, and then when they had returned, they told, they sat with Christ, and they told him everything that they had done, and he took him off, uh, took him over to be uh, in a uh, deserted place. He was kind of giving them a retreat, and as he was giving them this retreat, the multitudes found him. And then what did he speak to them about? What do we remember this gospel saying? Spoke to them about what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And I've said this to you before and often that this was one of the favorite topics of our Lord. That when he spoke about things, he spoke about things uh, from the kingdom of God. Pause. I'll just, my, water leader, my water heater started leaking yesterday. I called the guy. He's calling me back now. This is uh, what we call Murphy's Law. We'll, we'll deal with it. Now we're in the liturgy. And in the liturgy, we're focusing on, uh, first off, on the Word of God. He says to them, they talk, spoke to him about the Kingdom of God, and the Kingdom of God was one of his favorite topics. And today's Gospel, along with last night's Gospel, is focusing also on this idea of the Kingdom of God. Last night's Gospel, for those of you who were able to attend Vespers, was also taken from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 14. And it was a parable about the Kingdom of God. He says he told them a parable, and he noted how they, he noted how they chose the best places. And he says, when you invite anyone to a wedding feast, do not, or when you are invited, do not sit in the best places, but lest somebody more honorable than you comes. And this is when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because you cannot, they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And before we get to the part about the kingdom, let me just pause about these words. Many of us don't know how to, to do this. How do we invite the poor, the maimed, the lame? If we cannot invite them to our homes, we can at the very least make donations to those who are in need. I, it was told to me, and to the best of my ability, I, we were able to do this, but it was told to me that when we got married, and we, we had a reception. Uh, my father confession said, give an equal amount that you spend on the reception to the poor. Give an equal amount. If you throw a party, birthday party, engagement party, whatever nice occasion that you, you can do, think of it in this way. Whoever I invite, I'll invite, but I'll give an equal amount to those who I could not invite, 
uh, for the sake of following the commandments of God. And he says, you will be repaid in the resurrection of the just. And when one of those people who heard this message said, heard this and sat at the table with him, he said, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And you'd say, what? That's ridiculous. I thought in the kingdom of God, we don't need to eat or to drink. What is he saying? Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. This speaks to us again about this mystery, this miracle that Christ performed today. First, he was talking about the kingdom of God, and then he did a miracle. And I had mentioned this before, that every miracle is a sign that is establishing a teaching that he taught. It's a sign or a miracle to establish his words. So when he says something about the kingdom of God and then he feeds the 5,000, there's a miracle, this miracle is speaking about the kingdom of God. It's not just a miracle where he takes bread and, and, and fish and, uh, and multiplies it. He, he's of course the creator of the world and he can do this. And yes, this is wonderful, that, but the point of this is not that he can do these things. Before he did this, he created the worlds. He created the universe. Before he did this miracle, he created us and formed us. Before he did this miracle, he sent them manna from heaven and gave them water from a rock. He has done this before so many times and in so many ways. But this miracle is to confirm the words about the kingdom of God. And when we come to liturgy, we have to understand that in the liturgy, we are celebrating this miracle. And in the liturgy, we are celebrating the kingdom of God. Remember how he spoke to his disciples? And he said, as my father appointed a kingdom for me, so do I appoint for you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. So that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. First, when we come to liturgy, we understand that the liturgy is a celebration of the kingdom of God. And when we celebrate the kingdom of God, it's a celebration of being part of the kingdom of God. You are coming today not just to take communion and leave. I say it over and over again. If, it was that, if that was the only point, we would have communion ready for you at the door when you came. You could come, take it, and leave right away. But here, there's so much more that we're doing and celebrating. And we're celebrating the kingdom of God and being part of the kingdom of God. And being gathered from all the ends of wherever we're coming from, all different tribes, all different people, all different kinds of, uh, 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 of individuals coming here today. This is a celebration of the kingdom. When St. Matthew wrote this in his gospel, it says the kingdom of God, the words of Christ, the kingdom of God is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and cast and gathered some of every kind. Here we are gathered some of every kind. And he says in the Gospel of John that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. John eleven fifty two. St. Paul, when he was describing the liturgy in, the, in his book, in his uh, epistle to the Corinthians, he says, when you come together in one place, when you come together in one place, and this is, he says, is it not 
to eat the Lord's Supper. So then how do we now, now how do we connect this? Oh, there's one more. The writing of the Didashi. In the Didashi, it's a first century, second, early second century writing that was very important. And in that text, that Didashi, that, that writing, there was an important liturgical prayer, a prayer that they would say in the liturgy. And the liturgy was, even as this broken bread was scattered over the hills and was gathered together and became one, this piece of bread that we're about to partake of, so let your church, so let your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. And of course we can establish with this the book of Revelation, uh, the wedding feast at the end, the wedding of the Lamb, um, and the feast and the Eucharist which is in the kingdom of God. There's so much that we can say about this. But the kingdom is what we are celebrating because when we partake of the Eucharist, we are partaking of what is to come, where we are going to be united with Christ. And we are partaking of the one who is to come, our Savior who is coming again. And when we are partaking of the Eucharist, we are gathering ourselves together in the kingdom which He has established. If it wasn't for the kingdom of God, if it wasn't for the fact that He's coming back, if it wasn't for the fact that we are gathered here waiting for Him, if it wasn't for this, this Eucharist would mean nothing. It would mean nothing. If He's not coming back, then why are we here? If there is no kingdom of God, then what are we doing? Have you ever thought about that? It's about the future. We're celebrating the future. We're anticipating the future. We're reminding ourselves always of the future. In a few, in a few hours, you'll leave this room and you're going to go back to your day-to-day. But what we don't want to forget is what we're celebrating here. And that's the problem, is that we forget. And that's why we have to come back. We have to remind ourselves. And when I said, one of, the, one of the famous authors wrote that we're living from Eucharist to Eucharist. Some of us are living paycheck to paycheck, or meal to meal, or gathering to gathering, or whatever, work day to work day. But we are living as Christians, we ought to be living Eucharist to Eucharist. And the problem is when we come to, to celebrate the kingdom of God, we don't have the right mindset. So if you, are, if you are part of the kingdom of God, and this is a big deal, right? If, if I said to you tomorrow, uh, you know, God is going to appear and He's going to take all of His people into the kingdom of God, right? And if I said the first 500 are the ones that are going to get in, we're going to make sure that we're, we leave here right now and we're going to go and to the place, make sure that we're one of the first 500. Or if this is the place, we're going to make sure that we go very early to make sure that we're in the right place at the right time. But when we come to liturgy, we have a different mindset. We come to liturgy, we do our best to come as early as possible. But I believe that if we really believed, I believe that if we believed that we are coming to celebrate the kingdom of God, and celebrate being a part of the kingdom of God, that we would come much earlier. And when we come, we come with this attitude that we're not, not so excited about leaving, that this is the place where we should be. There's so many other problems that we have going on in the liturgy that, 
prevent us from celebrating the kingdom of God when we have liturgies for Arabic speakers and liturgies for English speakers aren't we dividing ourselves aren't we dividing who what we're supposed to become the kingdom of God isn't that a source of division when we have children's liturgies isn't that dividing the parents from the children isn't that kind of the concept is that we want to have everybody together if you have in your house one table aren't you going to make sure everybody can sit at that table or are you going to say, no, no, the kids can go sit and go eat outside or go eat someplace else? Or even we'll have a very nice table for the kids and me and my wife are going to have our own nice table and then we'll, we'll, we'll be separate. It's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Uh, and so when we come to the kingdom of God to celebrate it here in the liturgy and we divide ourselves, we're not really celebrating the kingdom of God. People, churches will have live stream. Live stream is good if you can't make it to church. But sometimes live stream is the worst thing. It's, it's the point, it's dividing us. You want to know what's happening at church? Go to church. <laughs> you want to know what's, what's, who's there or what's being said? Go. And you'll see. If you cannot go and you cannot see, well, then we bring church to you. Not in the form of the readings and the sermon. We bring church to you in the form of, in the, in the body of blood. This is how we deal with those who are not able to come to church. When we come to church and we celebrate the kingdom, Think about it when the bishop comes. He comes in and we greet him with a certain hymn. This hymn, we're greeting Christ. We say, to the bishop, or eflogimenos. We say to the bishop, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, Son of David, King of Israel. These are, la- these are words that we shouldn't be using for any regular person. Right? We should feel embarrassed to use these type, this type of language. But it's not a regular person that we're greeting. We're greeting our Lord Jesus Christ in the form of his servant, the bishop. Does that make sense? So we're greeting him. And then when we are here, this great entrance, and we hear the word of God that is being spoken through by the readers and then preached, this is the word of God. Christ is here speaking to us. And then when we do the kiss of peace with each other, this is to say, we are at peace with everyone. This is what the kingdom of God is going to be like. There's not going to be anybody that has a problem with another person in the kingdom of God. And if you have a problem with another person, are you banking on the fact that you're going to be there and that other person isn't? Would you want that other person not to be there? Of course not. We want everyone to be in the kingdom of God. So we, this represents the peace that will prevail. Our confession of faith, the creed, this is what everyone believes. And then especially, most especially at the very end of liturgy, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father, all of us. He's your Father, He's my Father, He's that person's Father over there, He's everyone's Father. And because He is our Father, we are all one body, one person, one being. We are the body of Christ. And of course we say in that your kingdom come, your kingdom come, and we're celebrating it in the liturgy. Did you ever notice when we say we commemorate your second coming from the heavens, awesome and full of glory? We commemorate it as if it was a memory? No. We commemorate it, we, we say that this is truly what is happening now and will happen. When we come to the liturgy, we're entering into that end time. 
Now, I can speak about this till I'm blue in the face. I love the topic of the liturgy, but it's on you to understand it, and it's on you to make it real in your life. Today, uh, last Friday, I had the, the pleasure and the blessing of meeting with a bunch of youth, and I, the topic for the day was patristics. None of them knew what patristics was, the writings of the fathers. And that's, that's fine, it's not their fault. We never taught them this. And then I, my goal for that topic was to stress on them the importance of reading the writings of the fathers. Now, I, I have heard too much in my life, and I'm not that old, I have heard too much people that say, I'm just going to read the Bible. I'm just going to read the Bible, that's enough for me. Right? And my response as I read more and more of the fathers is that you'll never understand what is in this book if you don't see it lived in someone else. It's just words, but when you see it lived, it's a different story. We've spoken about words like forgiveness, words like peace, words like giving up everything for the sake of the kingdom of God. We've spoken about this, right? But when you read, for example, the life of St. Anthony, and it's, that book is in the back, when you read the life of St. Anthony, you start to see a person who took the words, go sell everything, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and took it and literally applied it to their life. Literally applied it. This person, I was explaining to the youth, this person left the world wanting nothing to do with the world, wanting everything only to be with God. This person hid himself in a cave for many years, coming out maybe once or twice a year to take communion, having somebody deliver food to his, to his cell and not seeing anyone for 20 years. He didn't want to do, he wasn't there to preach, to teach. He, he was there just to be in a relationship with God. But God did not want him to just live and die in the desert. This was a treasure for all of us to see. And so the people of the villages went and found him, tore open, said, tore open his cell and brought him out. Psychologically, it did not affect him. Physically, he wasn't emaciated because he wasn't eating. He wasn't fat because he wasn't doing anything. Uh, his, he wasn't dirty because he didn't shower. It, this is all in the life of, the, of St. Anthony. And then he begins to speak to them, and it's all written there, about the, the, the kingdom of God. And he also begins to speak to them about time on earth, fighting against the evil one. Right? We can see the words, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right? That's, that's in the Bible. But what does that look like? When you see the lives of St. Anthony, or, or uh, St. Shenouda, or St. Macrina, or any of these others, and you see them take that, that verse out of the Bible and apply it in their life, then you begin to understand what does this mean. And now we're talking about the kingdom of God. We have to read about those who lived as if the kingdom of God was here. They lived this way. And it's not just about coming to the gathering, but it's living devoted to the gathering. Side note, people think that some of these monks didn't take communion, separated themselves from the church. That's not true. They were definitely, not only did they take communion, but they confessed regularly 
to uh, saints like St. Daniel, the Hegelman of Shahit, and others. Uh, not all of them were priests. These were all, all of them were lay people. That's another thing that I think we lose sight of. They were normal lay people, not ranks, because we're, we're the abnormal ones, right? So the ones that are ordained are the abnormal. The normal, regular, rank-and-file people, that's what the monastic movement was. Regular human beings that found themselves in a, in a place in their life where they could live the gospel completely. And so my point with all of this is that when we come, it's on you to understand what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Yes, read your Bibles. Memorize your Bibles. Live Live what your Bible says. But if you want examples and to see how that is done, look to the saints. Look to those who have completed their lives. Who, as St. Paul said to his disciple Timothy in the Pauline epistle, said, fight the good fight, fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Lay hold of eternal life. What does that mean, lay hold of eternal life? I thought it's enough for me to just go to church, to read my Bible, to fast, to confess, isn't that enough? What is this fighting business? Fighting the good fight of faith and laying hold on eternal life. It sounds like a struggle. It sounds like something that's difficult. It sounds like it, there's a commitment. It's not just any fight, it's a good fight. It's like watching a player, you know, uh, who's really good at what he does or she does and saying, that's a good player. They're really playing really well. That's the same what our Christian life is supposed to be like. Fighting that good fight. And always, I want you, if you take one thing, always when you come to be in the presence of God, in the liturgy, understand it to be not something where I'm taking a few words, going home and trying to live by that. No, I'm celebrating the kingdom of God. I'm part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, while it's only here for a bit, a little bit, a little taste of it, being in the presence, in one with others, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, I'm anticipating it, waiting for that perfect time when it is perfected, when Christ comes. We have to always remember that He is coming. We have to always remember that He's coming with His kingdom. And we always have to remind ourselves of this. I don't want to say so that we get excited. I want to say so that we are excited and we don't lose sight of it. Think about this. Think about this in our lives. Your wedding day or the day that you got your license or the day you got your first job or the day you got accepted into school. Whatever good occasion that you had, how you anticipated it and multiply that times infinity and you get the kingdom of God. This is the anticipation that we should have. The other stuff, it distracts us. It distracts us. Our day-to-day -day distracts us. If we're not beginning... And, and reminding ourselves and ending with this idea of the kingdom of God, when we don't really say, thy kingdom come and mean it, right? If we don't do this, it's not going to matter to us. And if it doesn't matter, we're going to live mediocre Christian lives. And mediocrity kills. Nobody wants to be mediocre in their work. Nobody wants to be a mediocre child. Nobody wants to be a mediocre uh, spouse. Nobody be, wants to be mediocre in anything, Right? So why do we want to be mediocre? Or why do we allow ourselves to be mediocre in our Christianity? Encourage yourself. Encourage one another. Remind yourselves of the words. Remind yourselves of, of what we're celebrating. The words of Scripture and what we're celebrating here. So that when we come, we know what we're doing. And when we come, we know what we're celebrating. And that we leave having taken that celebration and made it ourselves. To God be the glory now and ever into the age of all ages. Amen. Amen.